We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. It's uh, Thursday, almost end of the week. We're getting there. We're just limping the Friday. I think for me, for instance, I was subbing out the last few days. Family was in town. It's just tiring, man. When, when, you, when your family comes in for a few days, because you're just running around sometimes nonstop and this and that, and then you get back to work and you're tired. That's how I am right now. Tired. But on top of that, I went uh, went new car shopping and was hoping to get myself a deal with the same dealer and the same salesman that I had because I wanted to be, you know, do, you know, do the loyalty thing. And it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And that's pretty much what happens with uh, when you go car shopping is that the Theo. You know, a lot of times, if you think it's too good to be true, it is, is going to be too good to be true, and you just end up with uh, going back to square one. And it's like, you know, then you get then the salesman goes, "Well, why, you know, well, why didn't you do business with me this time?" I said, "Well, we were such buddies last time, and you know, and now you're trying to screw me." But oh well. Anyways, not really much going on, sports-wise. NBA, fun, well, Stanley Cup, Caps of 3-1, so it looks like they're going to be pretty much closing out that series, and Ovi gets his first Stanley Cup, which was bound to happen sooner or later, but I'm not sure, though, is the game, is the next game on NBC Sports Network... Or or an NBC or just on NBC because that's that's a big question because my thing is if the Caps be an expansion team in the Stanley Cup Finals to win the Stanley Cup on NBC Sports Network did it really ever happen? I mean, think about that. I'm sure the Caps fans will take a Stanley Cup. Any way they can get it, and I'm sure <laughs> this is one of those ways. You have to be an expansion team. Who, you know, to their credit, they were very good this year. And you know, they had a goaltender. You know, played out of his mind, but unfortunately, this series it hasn't worked out for him. And on top of that, he hasn't had much help either on the uh, you know on the you know, score sheet. 
NBA Finals, it's a wash. It's 3 nothing. It's done. The cap, I mean, it looked good early on. And I thought the I thought the Cavaliers would steal at least one game. And game one looked like the, the, the game one was for a taking and LeBron had a hell of a game, but once uh, J.R. Smith did what he did, it pretty much killed the rest it killed the rest of the series. Although this game here they just played. They had a chance to come back. I mean, I mean, other than game game uh, two, Cavs have been in it for both of those you know, games one and three. It just Golden State's a really good team. They're just they're loaded. They got got four guys that could be a VP on that team or in the league in general. You know, they got four really good guys. You know, and Draymond, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they got through the draft. But they get accused of building a super team because they pick up Kevin Durant. And really, he's just one player. So, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, LeBron supposedly in the offseason may talk to Golden State. Not sure how they'll make room for him cap-wise, but it could happen. I mean, not to mention LeBron does have, you know, the, he does have real estate on, on the West Coast. I think I think L.A., though. We'll see. I mean, I, the guy's approaching his mid-30s. I just can't see him going anywhere else. But maybe finishing, finishing his career in Cleveland. But you, know, you never know. Then, of course, we have, we have the, you know, the Eagles getting disavowed of the White House. And, you know, my little take on that is it really doesn't we're getting to a point where pretty much where teams will pretty where teams are not going to be going to the White House for a while I think the whole thing is you know it used to be you visit the president but now it's given who we you know who we put in office it's just the situation is toxic you know, when the Astros and Pens won their respective championships and the Patriots, the big debate was whether they would go to the White House or not. And, and a lot of times their their character got questioned for going. And it's one of those things where if you go visit, you know, the president, you hate America, or you hate, you know, or, or more, more specifically hate, you know, American people. Or if you don't go, you hate America in general. So really, it does. You're you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. But I think yeah, eventually, probably, I would be surprised if Trump just doesn't have invite teams all together. I'm sure the Golden State one, with Golden State wins, I'm 
sure it's going to be the same old dialogue. These guys aren't going to be meeting up anytime soon. So, whatever. Now, moving on. The pit. Jeff Cable's been tearing it up. He lands our top, top 150 player in Audis um, Tony. Uh, I believe he's a shooting guard. So Pitt's stacking up in the backcourt. I would love for them to uh, get some get a big man, but I don't think it's going to happen this class. And I think Capel realizes, you know, this you know they're not really going anywhere. You know, he's going to build a team with see where these guys, how these guys mesh. And of course, he's going to get he's going to probably set for next cl- next class. But anyways, he's landed some really good players, and regardless, there's gonna be a lot, probably a lot more excitement than what you saw last year. Anything more exciting than that? What we saw. I mean, that team did give us their mo- us their moments, but going winless in ACC really didn't uh, help things. And on the flip side, Pitt football still hasn't really landed anybody recruiting-wise, although they did land a tight end for the he's a grad transfer that's gonna play he can, he can play immediately by the name of Will Gragg, who played at Arkansas. And he was one of the top tight ends in the nation when he was recruited. He played ten in ten games last year for Arkansas. So he's got some game experience. This is actually a big, a big, a big get for Pitt. Well, you hope it is. I mean, on paper it is, but Pitt needs help at tight end after what after Chris Clark was, you know, you know, has been gone. Probably not going back. Although I don't see Chris Clark much of a loss because he really didn't contribute much anyway. And when he did, it wasn't all that great. I think his only touchdown was against Rice. But nobody really stepped up in the tight end role this past year. And that was a big thing for that pit offense back in 2016. Because Scott Orndoff, he gave Pitt that security blanket where guys weren't open. You dump it to him and he made things happen. Pitt needs that back. And, of course, George Ashton's back as well. He was another one, another weapon Pitt missed. A fullback that can you know block, but also catch passes and out, in, out of the backfield, which is a rarity because you don't see that a lot. Although they, although they did line up, uh, uh, who was that? Who was that fullback for Pitt? Who they kept putting in motion all the time? Uh, escapes my mind, but he did play for the Giants for a little bit, and it worked out for him. I mean, it was it was funny because. He declared for the draft, I remember, and we thought it was all stupid, but of course, Todd Graham was taking over. And obviously, that's why he left, because fullbacks are pretty much useless in that type of offense that Todd Graham runs. You know, the high octane speed, speed, speed. But it worked out for him. I mean, he got a Super Bowl ring, made some big plays in the Super Bowl. I think he recovered two fumbles in the Super Bowl. 
But uh, he saw some time. I mean, it worked out for him. He got, he got an NFL. He got probably got some NFL paychecks. I'm sure. I hope he invested some of it or saved it. But uh, yeah. Of course, we also who else did we have? Cormich Collins was a decent fullback. I thought that I wish they would have gave him the ball more running wise. I thought he could. I thought he was a good runner too. He was a steal that Dave wants that just landed out of nowhere. I remember in the uh, the 2004 class, no, no, that was 2005 class, which would have been part of Walt Harris's last class. I remember Dave took that class over and yeah, he landed that guy and he was a four-star fullback. I mean, that day we were seeing the recruiting prowess of Wani, so to speak. So, one of my themes of today is the uh, going, to, going over the top games in the history of uh, pit football. Not history, but mainly 2000 on. That's where I wanted to start. That's pretty much what I've been focusing on, on a lot of things on these lists. But... Um, Going from 2000 to present, your top game is obviously going to be 13-9, Pitt, West Virginia, 2007. The Clemson game was a huge win, but Clemson ended up, but Clemson recovered and won, and won the national title. But still, it was a big win. You put that, you put that that's probably number two. Number one's going to be 13-9, for obvious reasons. It's your rival. They need to beat you to go the go the BCS title game, and Pitt just uh, Pitt's defense beat that ass. All, all Pitt needed to do is score at least thirteen points. I mean, it was actually I mean it was a miracle we even got in the end zone in that game, to be honest. But uh, you know. As far as that went, I think we had. I think it was. It was when we had the. Uh, yeah, it was when we had the fumble recovery from the kickoff, and I believe we had. We, we did a fake punt where uh, Shane Murray just ran it up the middle. Then Oder Turner made a nice catch from a ba- really bad Boston throw. And it set up uh, Pat Bostic from the one yard line. Yeah, the only way we were really going to get in the end zone that day is if we had a short field because we couldn't do anything, we couldn't really do much of anything else. We could run straight to his legs fell off, and of course, he did get us in the end zone at one point. But of course, get, of course, it was called back on a bad hold, on a phantom holding call. One of the many calls that the Big East officials made to try to screw us, and that was pretty bad. No matter how badly that they tried to screw us, we still won the game. And after that, pretty much the Big East went up in flames because Rich Roy left, and we had to rely on Cincinnati to uh, to hold the uh, flag for us the next few years because we couldn't freaking, we we couldn't finish the damn job. And UConn too. Just saying, UConn carried the flag for us in the BCS title games because we couldn't get the job done. You know, 
we lost a whole bunch, you know, and we were in that position, you know, to win the Big East would have been once that's final year, and we still screwed up. Yep. But yeah, that's your top win. Clemson, obviously, number two. Miami, the, the number two Miami game, probably number three, because, you know, Miami at the time was undefeated and ranked second in the nation. And people thought it was the U, you know, the U was back, and then Pitt just, you know, Pitt dominated them. Because a lot of times it didn't matter how, how down down Miami was, they always beat us in some way, some shape or form. We did beat them recently, you know, when they had Al Golden. And I think we lost them the other. I think the year before, not, not, I think the year they fired out Al, Al, Al Golden. If they probably would have kept him, we probably would have won on beat them another time. But they got you know a new coach, an interim coach at the time, and it was a new jolt. You know, other games that are on that list, obviously Virginia Tech. That the Virginia Tech game was two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three. 2001 came out of nowhere because Pitt was Pitt started off one and five that year, and um, Walt I guess decided to scrap that spread offense that he tried so desperately to run, which to this day I still don't get because that team was good. That team could have contended for the Big East that year had he not decided to change that offense up and just left it the way it was. But Walt obviously had an issue. Walt had a tendency to outcoach himself, and outthink himself. And at that point, he outthought himself. So he flipped it back, simplified it. Pitt went, went on the win out. In the Virginia Tech game, this was their first year on Mike Vick, but they were still a good, a good football team. A damn good team. Pitches came out of nowhere in that game, and they, they just destroyed them. I think it was 31, either 31-7 or 38-7, one of two. I mean, they just totally dilap- dilapidated them. You know, Pitt won five straight, and they went to the uh, Tangerine Bowl and won their six straight. Beat Philip Rivers, NC State. 2002, Tech wanted revenge, so we went to Blacksburg at night. Tech was nationally ranked. Really good team still, but they have Brian Randall as a quarterback, and I, and I never fully bought in the Virginia Tech because they were hoping Randall was going to be this uh, next coming Mike Vick because he was mobile, but he was a horrible thrower. He couldn't read coverages either. I watched him against BC early in the, early in that year. He had all this hype, but really, he wasn't really that good. Pit won 20-21. It was a huge game. Larry Fitzgerald had a huge coming up party. That 2002 team should have won more than nine games that year. They let some games slip. West Virginia, for sure, they let slip out of their hands. That was a game they could have won, should have won, but... It was one of those games where I just pitted. 
Miami, they could have won that game too. I guess, uh, you know, one thing that killed them was that Willis McGee run before halftime. And, of course, that opportunity is in the second half, and they just couldn't do it. And then they went, then they got down to the goal line, and Rutherford threw it over Yogi Ross' head. In 2003, obviously, Tech came to Hines, and Pitt was still in the hunt for the Big East title. And Pitt won in the final seconds. Well, not really final seconds, more like the final minute. And Marcus Vick threw a pick on the next drive. So those three, you know, the Toast Tech games were, were fun games, big games. And then you have Notre Dame games as well. You have 2004 ND. Where Palco throws five, throws five, uh, five touchdown passes at South Bend, drops the F bomb, and that was kind of like the turning point for Pitt, for Pitt season. They got to the, they went to the Fiesta Bowl. Then years, maybe like five years later, two thousand nine. Then a bit, you know, Pitt was uh, in the, Pitt was about on the verge of the top ten. They had to face Charlie Strong, not Charlie Strong, Charlie Weiss, his group. They had Jimmy Clausen, who was a senior quarterback, and he was really good at you know, QB. But Charlie Weiss was their coach, so that was their, that was their big issue. Pitt won that game as well. And plus, you had, uh, the, you know, years later, you had the... Uh, game where Tom Savage was the quarterback and that was I think 2012 I believe they were 2012-2013 it was the first year for Paul Christ and Savage um, played a hell of a game and he had just you know, he had some really good players he had Boyd and Street they had nice games and not to mention Pitt's secondary had a hell of a game. Vina Pol, guys like Vina Pol had some picks. So you had those games. Of course you had the Penn State games as well. You have, um, you have the 2016 Penn State game, obviously. And Pitt, um, that game should have been as close as it was, but the problem is, is Pitt didn't really have much of a passing game at that point. Flanagan established it. And plus, Pitt's defense wasn't that great either. And they had to defend against Saquon Barkley, and then Trace McSorley somehow found, you know, found his fire. And Penn State went on to win the Big Ten title that year, but that turned to be a be- out to be a big win for Pitt because it kept Penn State on the, uh, the playoffs. The 2000 game will always be a big win for Pitt because it was their first win over Penn State since 1988. And it was a, um, one of those things where Pitt could never beat Penn State no matter what. Penn State was always going to be the, the better team. and Pitt won that game 12-0, and really the game should, was, the game, they should have scored more points than what they did. Because that game wasn't really that close as people think. 
I don't even think Penn State crossed the goal. I don't think Penn State even crossed midfield against us. As far as I remember, there were some, there were something, there was a th- something where where Penn State didn't even cross, you know, a certain uh, part of territory against Pitt's defense. Pitt won in that game, and that was that. So you have all these games, but there are some hidden ones. Obviously, we, we don't talk about. There's a 2004 Pitt West Virginia game. The 1916 game that pretty much got pit into the Fiesta Bowl. That was a big win. Not that you know, because that was the year, supposed that was West Virginia's quote unquote year, supposedly that they were going to dominate because Miami and Virginia Tech left them. But people forget that West Virginia's QB was Rasheed Marshall, and he wasn't a bad QB, but he wasn't great. There was so much that guy could do. I mean, he wasn't all that good. I just remember that game, and Pitt's defense wasn't that good, and I always wondered why they weren't running the ball on us as much as they used to. Because 2003, they ran the ball on us, and with their with their, with their you know, with their spread offense and. They killed us, but this time around it was a different story. It just uh, <clears throat> Washington had a little high play here, and it just crumbled. But uh, you know, Josh Cummings nailed three field goals in that um, in that swirling winter wind, which was a big, which was you know probably one of the biggest you know biggest things for Pitt that year. I mean, Cummings doesn't get talked much. I remember his dad on the message board used to bitch because nobody talked about his son a lot. And, you know, and he's, he, yeah, he, he's, his complaint was valid because they won a lot of games because of him. Although I remember him jumping on the boards when they lost to Syracuse because he, his son shanked a bunch of field goals. I guess he was defending this, the hell out of his son because he knew his son was going to get blamed for losing that game. Because he has really he had really one job and it was to make field goals. And extra points, of course. But um, that was also a big game, big win for Pitt. Boston College that year was also a big win because BC was also vying for the Big East title and Pitt won that game in overtime. I think they I think they, blew, they, yeah, they kicked the field goal on their possession and then they forced a fumble to win the game. Yep. I remember that game well, I believe. They threw a pass over the middle and they, he got, as soon as he caught it, he got stripped. And Pitt won that game in overtime. It was another huge win. So I mean, those are two other two other wins we we forget about. And I'm sure there's more I'm forgetting about, but those are those you know those ones. There you see they they're they're ones that stick out. You could say a lot of wins during the first year during Narduzzi are huge. I mean. That Georgia Tech game when they won by you know with that late last second field goal, 
and I think blew it nailed down. I was blew it. I think that hit that hit that uh, kick. I believe. But I just remember how that thing, that ball just curved at the last minute and just made its way in. I mean, that was a huge win because we, we always had a hard time against Georgia Tech, and there we had it. So, there goes another one. But, um, you know, I would say it's during the Todd Graham era, there wasn't really, which was one season, there was much to talk about. Paul Christera. We've had we had some close we had some close ones. We should be when Notre Dame was vying for the national title. We had a chance to, to beat them, but we couldn't put them away. And you, you know when it when it gets into the referee's hands, that special itself, and you can't let you're gonna lose every time. But all those ones I just showed you, I mean, those were big ones. I mean, you can even say Cincinnati 2007 was a big win because they were ranked. I mean, they were a good. They were on the verge of being a really good team, and Pitt wasn't good at all. That day, Pitt beat them. And Pat Bossick actually had a decent game that game. They played. He made some big throws, and defense played well. And plus, they I think they had I think Shady and uh, Larod Stevens both had 100, 100 yard. Hundred yards rushing in that game because that's when um, you know initially Rolorod was the uh, starter, but of course Shady took over and for obvious reasons. But the Rod was a really good teammate, and Larod, to his credit, got himself an NFL paycheck and spent some a few seasons. I mean, I like Larod Stevens. If he was a few inches taller, I think he would have been a, you know, he he could have spent some time in the NFL a lot more than just returning kicks. He was really, he was really speedy, really shifty. I actually liked the rod in the secondary. When I watched him in the Big 33 game, I thought he could have been a really big help in the secondary. Yeah, but he was, you know, he did have some explosion. He did. But anyways, guys, I'm out of here. I've given you guys a half hour. Good Lord. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. But hell to pit. Bye.